You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Welcome to Done By Law on 3CR, 855 AM. It's Tuesday the 8th of June 2021 and you're with Tess and Meg. Firstly... We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from which we're broadcasting tonight, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. This land was stolen. Sovereignty was never ceded. On an average night in 2020, there were 798 young people in detention in Australia, almost half of them Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander children. We're speaking to two guests about the Raise the Age campaign a public campaign mounted by a number of organisations throughout Australia to urge governments to raise the age of criminal responsibility. The campaign has been developed by a coalition of legal, medical and social justice organisations, including Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community-owned organisations. We're broadcasting interviews with two guests with extensive experience in the policy and legal sector about children's rights and the potential impact of changing the age of criminal responsibility from 10 to 14 years. Our first guest, Mina Singh, is a current legal director of the Human Rights Law Centre, an independent not-for-profit organisation that promotes human rights through strategic litigation, policy and advocacy campaigns. Mina is a Yorta Yorta and Indian woman with over 20 years' experience in the legal sector. She's held senior roles at a number of organisations, including Victoria Legal Aid and the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Mina is also a current PhD candidate at the University of Melbourne. Our interview with Mina was pre-recorded on Saturday the 5th of June. What is the Raise the Age campaign? Can you speak to us a little bit about what the campaign is seeking to address and achieve? Yeah, so the Raise the Age campaign was launched last year around about the time that the Black Lives Matter movement was really starting to uh, pick up in Australia. Um, And the campaign is aimed at raising awareness uh, of the fact that children as young as 10 years of age can and are being arrested and um, uh, charged with offences and put into prison in Australia. And it's to raise awareness of this fact and also that we are very out of step with international standards, um, which has uh, criminal responsibility the median standard across countries is 14 years of age. And it's also not just raising awareness, but it's also getting a lot of people from lots of different backgrounds and sectors to support um, the campaign, support raising the age on the basis of evidence. So particularly medical and uh, psychological developmental evidence of how kids grow and develop and age, how they make decisions and the, the fact that you know, 
up to the age of 14, kids are still developing and still developing those crucial abilities around decision-making, about understanding consequence um, and about, you know, what behaviours they're undertaking. Thanks, Mina. Um, you said that kids as young as 10 are being arrested and charged with offences in Australia. Is that across the country in, in every state and territory or does it vary between states and territories? No, every state and territory has uh, the age of criminal responsibility as 10 years of age. The ACT has committed to raising the age to 14 um, and where, you know, we obviously haven't seen any particular leadership from um, the federal government around this issue. Um, so where, you know, the campaign is working with different states and territories around Australia to um, to get more and more people understanding why this is so important. You know, what kind of impact does the age of criminal responsibility have on the community at large? Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking about kids aged 10 years old and upwards. Um, so that means kids in grades as low as grade four at primary school. And upwards, um, when you think about 10-year-olds, you're thinking about, um, you know, on average, a 10-year-old, you know, 10-year-olds are still losing baby teeth. Like, this is how young we're talking about. Um, and the trauma of arrest, of interactions with police, um, which are a huge imbalance of power, um, which... Um, can see a child uh, engage with the criminal legal system, see them put into jail. It's hugely traumatic. And um, if left unaddressed, this trauma is really difficult to get over and it can have lifelong impact. And what we know is that the younger a child engages with the criminal legal system, the more likely it is that they will continue to engage as they get older, particularly if they're experiencing prison at a younger age. Um, and that they're more likely to offend into their adult years. And we know that prison isn't uh, a place for rehabilitation. Um, and overwhelmingly, if you look at um, pieces of legislation that deal with youth offending, they will state that um, uh, rehabilitation is the ultimate aim for, for young people who offend. Prison does the exact opposite. We know that the evidence is there overwhelmingly. So um, what we're seeing is that you know, we get um, a revolving door for kids that can start as young as 10 and particularly for kids of disadvantaged backgrounds, kids who might be experiencing a disability, kids who might be living in a house where there's family violence, drug and alcohol abuse, they've suffered other abuses. Um, and we know also that kids who are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander are grossly overrepresented. So if you look at um, jurisdictions like the Northern Territory, you see that um, virtually all the children in prison there are Aboriginal and that's, you know, that turns it into a race issue. Um, not um, to mention all the children who are in resi care as well and that kind of resi care to prison pipeline that seems to exist not only in Victoria but I think throughout Australia. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, um you know, children who, and again, we see gross overrepresentation of Aboriginal children being removed from their families, being put into resi care, being put into non-Aboriginal families, so they're disconnected from family and culture. Um, we see them acting out 
in ways that are totally consistent with the trauma that they're experiencing. We see behaviours that are, you know, are being punished in a completely different way because of the context that they're occurring in. So, you know, let's say you yell at a parent um, that might be dealt in one way in the home. If you yell or are abusive to a resi care worker, that could be dealt with in a completely different way for the child that leads to criminal a criminal charge and all sorts of ramifications. And, and the, the, the worst part of that is that when a child is removed from their family, that makes the state their guardian, makes the state effectively their parent. So if a child is in that sort of circumstances and they're offending, and if we normally look to the child's circumstances to understand they're offending, well, then when are the states going to be held account- accountable for that behaving? Uh, what impact do you think that raising the age of criminal responsibility could have for Aboriginal children, families and communities if the campaign is successful? Yeah, um, you know, it would mean that resources could be redirected into things such as greater education supports, greater supports for the family, um, addressing issues of physical and mental health and well-being, um, supporting kids to stay connected and to stay healthy and strong with their families um, and particularly for Aboriginal kids with culture around them. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of money thrown at, um, at prisons, at our police forces that is really about throwing money away. Um, we really need to think differently about how we invest appropriately in the things that keep us safe um, and not throw money at the things, at, at issues once things have gone wrong. You know, if we think, you know, if I think about my life and the things that have kept me safe, um, it's things like knowing, having a strong identity and knowing my culture. It's been, you know, uninterrupted education. It's been good health. It's been um, my parents having work. All these things are what keep people safe. Um, and so we, re- we really need a holistic approach and a holistic understanding to um, how do kids come to offend what are some of the concerns um, currently being raised by critics of the campaign? And do you think any of those concerns are valid? I think people often look at this issue from the perspective of their own upbringing and think about their own experiences and um, how they understand the world. And so you might see comments like, well, you know, when I was 10, I was old enough to know the difference between right and wrong and, you know, respect my elders and all that sort of, all that sort of, you know, commentary. And that's great. I'm glad people had that experience. But the kids that are being trapped by such a low age of criminal responsibility don't have um, the experiences that lots of us have. You might be disengaged with school. There might be trauma that they're responding to and living with. And, you know, these are the things that we need to understand about why children offend. Um, Also, you know, kids of lower age groups, their offending is very uh, low level. It's not serious offending. It might be things like shop steal. It might be things like... Um, say, uh, property damage, criminal damage types of offences. So often offences that are are very unsophisticated 
very thought, you know, process around, you know, other than the mo- in the moment it's something they can do without thinking about the consequences. Um, if a child under an age of responsibility offends uh, in a way that we're concerned about, then we need to think about what are the age-appropriate responses for that child. We need to think about... Um, what's going on in this child's life that they're behaving in such a way um, and how do we address that in a supportive way, in a way that also connects the child with with family and supports and services that address what the issues are going on um, that really leave the, the child feeling like they've got a way forward with how they're feeling and behaving. Thanks again to Mina Singh from the Human Rights Law Centre. You can find out more information about the Raise the Age campaign at www.raisetheage.org.au where you can also sign an online petition to raise the age of criminal responsibility. Our next guest, Anushka Geronimus, is the director of the Youth Law Program at West Justice, a community legal centre servicing the western suburbs of Melbourne in the areas of criminal, family and civil law. Anushka has been working in the area of youth crime for over 14 years and prior to her current role was the Program Manager of Youth Crime at Victoria Legal Aid. Anushka is also an accredited specialist in children's law with the Law Institute of Victoria. We spoke to Anushka on Saturday 5th of June about practising in the area of children's law and how best the community can respond to the needs of at-risk children and their families. Could you explain what's meant... I suppose, legally, by the concept of the age of criminal responsibility? So in terms of the age of criminal responsibility, what it means, um, very simply, is the um, age at which somebody can first be charged with an offence. And here in Victoria, it's 10 years old. Um, When we're talking about criminal responsibility, um, we have a concept uh, called Dolly Incapax. Um, Would you mind talking us through what that concept means and why it might be relevant for young children who are charged with criminal offences? Yeah, so Dolly Incapax, it's a Latin term, and it remains um, that there is a presumption that a young person who is between the ages of 10 and 13 is incapable of having committed the crime that they are charged with. You know, before I talked about um, the age of criminal responsibility being 10. However, here in Victoria, there is a presumption that even if you have been charged with an offence, because you are between the ages of 10 and 13, and because of this presumption, um, you are presumed to be incapable of having committed that crime. And essentially, that's because there is a recognition that a, a young person's um, brain, particularly so young, um, has not sufficiently developed for them to be understand the difference between what is legally right and legally wrong as opposed to just wrong and right. It's a rebuttable pre- uh, presumption, but in practice, this is meant to be a safeguard. So this is uh, meant to, but it doesn't kind of operate as a safeguard in practice. In practice, young people are all like under 13 and over 10 are charged. And there is no kind of acknowledgement at the outset that this is a young person where Dolly Incapax, um, the, the, you know, uh, kind of applies. And so what happens in, in practice is that um, the 
defence practitioners on behalf of that young person need to raise the presumption as being kind of um, applicable. And so that's where it's actually um, the falls, the onus falls on the child in practice to get the safeguard to actually guard them safely. And the the challenges, the procedural challenges to have to convince the prosecution to um, uh, to be satisfied um, that the pros um, that the um, presumption applies is often really difficult and not straightforward. Just on that point, uh, what is needed to satisfy the the prosecution or the judge or magistrate that the presumption applies? What's what's the test? Well, the test um, is in the case of RP and the Queen. The prosecution need to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the child understood that their acts were seriously wrong or gravely wrong and not merely naughty or mischievous. You know, there's a lot of evidence that could be kind of um, explored and relied upon to try and um, understand and prove whether this young person was um, uh, actually um, Dolly and Capax at the time of the alleged offending. The interesting thing is that um, that well, it's not actually interesting. The challenging thing is that this process often takes time. So you might like a usual course of action is to actually get a, a report, a forensic psychological report to actually um, assess the young person to see whether at the time they um, of the offending. And that's a, a very key distinction because it's not at the um, often you're being you're charged and it's not your understanding at the time you're being charged. It's your, your understanding of the offence and whether it was legally wrong at the time you committed it. And often there's a gap. And then add to that gap, there'll be a further gap between the time at which you're charged and then the time at which your charge is being then dealt with. And, and so it's a, it's, that also adds to the challenge of actually um, being able to um, uh, properly understand whether this you know the presumption applies the usual course of action is for us to um, get a forensic report um, whether the child is assessed by a forensic psychologist to understand what was going on for them at the time of the offending um, however there are lots of other ways that you could um, uh, equally um, uh, uh, kind of prove or or disprove or um, kind of explore whether what was going on for them at the time of the offending the for example how they were going at school um uh, their response to um their behavior um their response to consequences their experience of consequences for similar um behavior but again the the um the irony of this is that this this safeguard of Dolly and Capax actually isn't safeguarding the young person. And even through this explanation, the point is that um, there's all of the onus falls on the young person to have to prove whether the, or not they were um, capable of committing the crime or not, as opposed to it being on the prosecution. And yeah. one of the worst things about this is that often these young people are on bail whilst we're trying to figure out whether, you know, whilst we're trying to convince the prosecution to exercise their discretion to withdraw mm -hmm. the charges. And then that actually is also quite a, it's a problem, especially considering how the bail laws apply, um, um, operate in Victoria and that um, this safeguard is about, it's a legal safeguard. It's not necessarily 
um, supporting young people to address the behaviour that got them into um, trouble in the first place and got them charged. And as someone who's very um, had a lot of experience um, as an advocate and lawyer for children, can you talk to us about what some of the realities are of acting as a lawyer um, in the youth crime space and how it might be different from representing an adult? You know, the most challenging thing about being a lawyer that represents a child charged with a crime is the fact that they are a child. That's the first thing that strikes you, especially when they're this age. You know, I had a, um, a, a client once who was um, charged with theft of motor vehicle, but they actually couldn't see over the steering wheel. So they'd put a, um, they were sitting on a, a yellow pages to actually see above the steering wheel. So they are, they are small in stature. Um, they, they, you know, when you see them in remand, they're crying. They, um, they're not properly clothed. The first thing you think is you want to actually, that these are children first. And then what, this is not to diminish the, um, the seriousness sometimes of what they may have committed. But I think in terms of solutions and how best to um, ensure that they don't get into similar trouble, I can say unequivocally that the, the criminal justice system is not um, the best solution that we have available. And aside from... Uh, raising the age of criminal responsibility, what what are some of the other solutions? What else can we be doing to support kids in the community who are starting to to get into trouble? Well, I think I think it's important. I'm not sure if many of your listeners know, but the age of criminal responsibility has actually was actually lifted from eight to ten um, in the nineties, nineteen ninety two, and so the the same framework and supports that are in place for the eight to 10 year olds, you would say really would be um, the, the kind of support systems that you would be looking at to support the 10 to 13 year olds. If we, um, if Victoria goes, you know, goes for gold and is brave and raises the age, the, the best way um, for us as a, as a community to be able to support young people to, um, uh, stay out of crime would be to look at keeping them in school, um, trying to support them to um, be able to learn in the way that they need to, um, to support their learning um, potential and achieve their learning potential rather, to ensure that their, um, that their health needs are identified and then met. Um, likewise, to support their families, to be able to support their kids to stay in school and to support their kids to um, uh, address their health needs because it's, it's an in, interesting thing about being a, um, a youth crime lawyer. So much of the focus, especially the, the court system, is on that young person and there's very little opportunity to look at the support that the family and their kind of um, uh, the, the young person support system may need to be able to help keep that kid out of trouble. And that may be, for example, you know, and, and I think that's actually a really important um, and key area for us to focus on. And I, again, from experience, think that there's so much benefit that can be um, yielded if we 
looked at it from that from the vantage point of um, as a collective. Imagine if we worked together to try and go, and, and it's not always. We don't have to look at it from um, keeping kids out of the justice system necessarily and, and crime prevention, but we have the support systems in place in Victoria already um, to, you know, a, a child protection system, a, a an education system, a health system. The idea would be that we would be ensuring that those systems do what they need to do. Um, and also early, like Mick Creedy, for example, talks about um, um, imagine having a GP in all preps across the state so that if a young person, imagine having um, a, a speech therapist or, um, or an OT so that um, a young person, if they are kind of starting to demonstrate behavioural issues, um, the, is able to be um, assessed and those issues able to be identified early and parents given the, the guidance and the instruction and the support to be able to address those. And then imagine if, say, those kind of people then stayed with them to support them through that journey, because it's not a, a one-off time. It's, a, it's um, it often quite a process. Um, it can be stressful for parents. And so certainly um, ongoing support would be required. But that's within our capability. And we've got already such fantastic people um, and 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 clinicians and and social workers and educators um, uh, out there, we we can do this. And I think, imagine, for example, if we um, kind of reframed this discussion so that we go, what do teachers need? What support do teachers need to keep kids in school? What support do these parents need to keep the, their kids in school? You'd see a vast difference. That was Anushka Geronimus from West Justice. And thanks again to both Mina and Anushka for speaking to us. Once again, you can find more information about the Raise the Age campaign at www.raisetheage.org.au. And that's it from us for tonight. Thank you all for listening. I hope everyone is staying safe and well, particularly those who are listening in locked down Melbourne. Please stay tuned for Voice of West Papua. Northern Peninsula area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the bottom of the kids. Up on NPA. What you doing? About six in the morning, hopped in the dinghy, me and Bella Bauti with five hunting pity. Heading to the shooting swamp for some piggy, Mata Cruz, East Coast, got gun dogs, machetes. One, two, load up the bullet. Three, four, cock it and pull it. Five, six, popped him in the head. It's gone seven, eight, nine, now the broom is dead. Hands up, hands up, Mata Cruz, go you. That's a one, one small, sussy down, Mata Cruz. Yeah, you know how we roll, it's the Bamaga Kids. Where the ballers run stacks, red dust, make two. Life's fun up here in the NPA yeah. There's not much to do but it's deadly anyway Chilling with our titters and having a yarn Tear it up at the disco and dog him hard run She likes the gazebo listening for the music We flop up in our head because we're not alive Turning up the radio, you're feeling it, yeah While I press, my thumb and potatoes, I be played tight Hands up, hands up, my thumb press, go you Also one, one small, suss it up, my thumb cruise Yeah, you know how we roll, it's the bam with the kids Where the titters, what it thanks, red dust, naked Walking down the main street with the danger beat And we're looking so gorgeous, are you feeling the heat? Pop, pop, like
fucking cover, I'ma roll it around And then we throw it on down all the way to the ground While I trade back yeah, in the NPA We're representing all the people from around this place Me flow all ballers, make it brand new Sing no blast, them over mark by my telling a ring Hands up, hands up, what the push for you Cause I want to smoke, so sit down, what the cruise Yeah, you know how we roll, it's the family of kids Where the ballers want to stand, red dust, need tea Hands up, hands up, my Yeah, you know how we roll, it's the Bama Kids, where the chit is what it's that, red dust, they tis.